0: Episode two of the Air United Fan Podcast. On today's episode, we have Duncan Carmichael, the Air United historian and author. He answers your questions. But firstly, I asked Duncan about his new book, Nine Titles: Air United Triumphs. The
1: the, the catalyst for, for that book, um, it's quite easy to, to guess. Um, it's the situation where, um, then the end of last season, the you know, extraordinary circumstances for for the for the league win, um, and um, really that. Um, It's probably the the most uh, extraordinary event that's ever happened in the history of Somerset Park where a game finishes and at the close of the game everybody stays um, almost in silent homage. The fans were silent, um, the players were silent. And people constantly refreshing um, live score to get updates from the race Rovers game race Rovers now ainil and it had to finish that way and in these um, closing minutes, just waiting on that game finishing um, was a total and absolute um, agony, even at the point where um, the a roar went up from the main stand. Um, and then the queue was taken from the Somerset Road end in the North Terrace and then there was the pitch invasion. Um, I was about 10 seconds out of sync because I checked live score and it wasn't shown as, as full time. Then I refreshed it another twice and then the telltale FT was there and that was it across the dike on, on the pitch with the rest. Um, The Extraordinary Circumstances, I actually did think about um, doing a book um, solely um, about that season in its own, because the number of statistics it generated was totally extraordinary. Uh, But then I thought, well, that would be just too much like a yearbook, and that was why... um, Decided um, to see if it was viable To do a book with all nine titles And sure enough it was And the publisher was happy with it And that's the background to it Might have been a bit premature though Um, Should
0: maybe wait another year Ten titles Ten titles sounds good (laughs) I hope we get ten Would you release another book for ten titles? I would
1: release um, another book. Yes, uh, def- definitely, because um, if um, the ten titles, the theme of the book wouldn't be um, t- ten titles. It wouldn't cover all, um, you know, the ground already covered in nine titles. What it would cover would be um, the, the forty years absence uh, from the Premier League, and you know there, there is definite material in there um, about the long struggle because um, when they need to get relegated in nine seventy eight. People assumed, uh, myself included, that to be back in the Premier League in 1979, um, and then 19, well, 79 80 um, came close, but and then it just got worse, and then uh, ultimately finished up playing at uh, the third tier of, this, of the Scottish game. Um, but now, uh, as we speak, you know it's you can uh, almost touch it, but certainly um, that would be definitely be the catalyst for about back in the Premier League after 40 years.
0: When did you first start writing the book, then, after you won the ninth title? Um,
1: straight away. <laughs> straight <laughs> away, yeah. <clears throat> um, because, let's see, we won the league uh, on, on the Saturday, and um, I'd been thinking about the ideas and was thinking about um, the possible format in my head, and um, I was wrestling with various formats, and then it must have been probably about the Tuesday, um because uh, you know we, we think of the 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 time it came out relative to time the the the, the league was won but I find that, I mean, even though I'm working full-time, um, I mean, I, I don't quite work a six-hour week, but when you include the, the, the commute uh, back and forward to Glasgow, I'm away from the house for six, for, for six hours. But um, w- whatever spare time I've got, you know, when I'm working on a book, i fanatical mm-hmm. about it. Um, you know, it's uh, one of those things, uh, and until t- I see it through. Quite fortunate as well, because in terms of the, of the research material, I'm building, it up, building it up, building it up, building it up on a gradual basis and um so the, all the all the necessary research material for the book um, is under my roof which is very useful
0: so i worked out is there 11 books
1: 11 books is actually correct yes yes 11 books is um one was two volumes i actually I, I, yes yeah. uh, volumes uh, w- w- one and two of the uh, of the club history but that's um 11 books um on, on Air on united um there's actually a, a 12th book which um very few people know about because um <coughs> it's uh, it's um, e- e-book um, format only. It's only a Kindle version, and uh, and it's a novel. But in terms of books, which which can actually hold, yeah, that's some books, and all Air United themed as well. Yeah.
0: Have you read any books that are not Air United?
1: Uh, only only that um, novel, yeah. and um, but the the difficulty with with the novel is that whereas that um, I've got a track record in non-fiction, um, I, I I can get non-fiction books uh, published. Um, fiction, I don't have a track record in at all, and that's why, you know, it's um, it's, it's not hardback, but um, just e- e- e-book version only, Kindle version only, but no, it's the, the Air, Air United theme, um, predominantly because there's just so much material. And people say, well, how can there be that much to write about Air United? But there is, and um, the beauty of writing about a club like Air United is that when you think of history as a club like Manchester United, it's so one-dimensional, just um, relentless success, but um, when, it, club like Air United, where the success is a, a lot more patchy, um, you know, the theme of the book can c- become a bit more quirky, and I'd like to think more interesting.
0: One day I always remember about Man United is that Old Trafford was built the same year Air United was founded. That's how I remember N- it.
1: 1910? Yeah. yeah, 1910.
0: Yeah. Old Trafford. Yeah. How do you get most of your information? For your
1: book? Um, in my younger years um you know when um i i spent um, <coughs> a lot of time um in libraries uh, an awful lot of time uh, it, it actually came about initially because um at, at the age of 17 um i was program editor that's going back back to 1970 now. and um you know, i started doing <coughs> um features uh, flashback features 40 years ago 50 years ago 60 years ago etc and um, to do that, <coughs> I was going into the Intercontinental Library and sourcing the old newspapers. Uh, that made me realise that there was an awful lot of untapped material because I find out things about Air United which, you know, to me seemed um, scarcely credible. And it was just so much, uh, so much material. And um, you know, realised that, um, that easily. You know, it had the material for. Um, not just one book, but several books, and then just the momentum kept on, kept on carrying. But, um, but yeah, that's it. It's it's the only way to do it. People might think being a bit of a bind, you know, going through old newspaper volumes, and, and especially where that um, these columns that are so um, t- t- tightly packed, and it can be difficult to source out the little nuggets of information information that, that you actually need. But um, the whole thing, yeah, definitely a pleasurable experience. Are
0: these. Book, are these archives in libraries or do you need to actually go to the papers to? Um, Libraries,
1: yes, that's it, yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, you talk about a misspent youth. I know my youth was well spent or misspent, but um, an
0: awful lot of time was spent in libraries. Gordy Boyle asked, What made you choose Air United as your team? Well, um, That, that happened very,
1: very um, easily because um, we stayed in, in, in Bathgate and, in West Lothian and the family moved to Ayr when I was age six, um, you know just a couple of months short of, of my seventh birthday. Now, when we stayed in Bathgate, um, our house backed on to Creamery Park where Bathgate juniors played and um, my father used to take me to watch um, badgate Juniors, didn't have far to go um, the ground was at our back door and uh, Badgut were playing away, sometimes we'd go and watch um, Armadale Thistle um, three, uh, f- four miles away so whenever we moved to Ayr um, we lived in Tweed Street, it was a new house at the time, just um, newly constructed which was walking distance from Somerset Park but um, initially um, talking here about the 59-60 season to begin with, um, my father wouldn't take me to the games because he said it was too wee and the crowds were too big, but um, to our um, as the fifty-nine sixty season uh, progressed, he um, relented and started taking me uh, to the games, and um, then you just become uh, fixated with it, and you've just really um, got to go. But really, it's it, the bottom line. There is just simply local team, walking distance from the ground. Gordy also asked, that what was the first game you ever t- attended? Um, would have been in in that season fifty nine sixty. Um Now, uh, only from about season 61 62 onwards, I've got a clear recollection um, of the actual games in progress um, of the uh, um, opposition. You know, cl- clearly remember um, a Falkirk game at Somerset Park League Cup tie, which should be in August 1961. But throughout seasons fifty nine sixty and season um, 60 61, um, uh, you know, I can, can remember. Um, walking up, um, walking along Hunters Avenue, um, up West Sanker Road into Somerset Road. Can remember the big crowds. You know, can remember standing on the uh, <coughs> on o- on the North Terrace. I uh, can remember the uh, the players in the white shirts. Can remember the big crowds and and, and so on. But um, my re- recollection is more of the back in 59, 60, and 66 61. Those initial seasons um, It's more the experience of, of being there. But um, I just can't fix my memory on specific games until. Um, about the summer of nineteen sixty-one onwards.
0: Yeah, I'm the same. I was too young to remember specific games when I actually first went to Somerset.
1: Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Um, but in, t- in terms of um, being um, in tune with the the, the game in progress um, on the field, um, I would s- I'd probably say the League Cup tie Falkirk at home, August sixty-one. That would have been. Do you know the score. Al- albeit I'd been there for two seasons before. Yeah. Um I, I, I do remember the score actually. Um, it, It was a draw. Um, It it was a draw. Um, It must have been um, one each, if I recall correctly. But it was definitely a draw.
0: Gordy also asked. Gordy had one, two, three, five questions from Gordy. So we'll work our way through them. What's the favorite? What's your favorite game you've ever attended? Not necessarily an air game.
1: Um, Well, my favorite favorite game I've ever attended actually is an air game. Um, But. um, It's the favourite air game I have ever attended, uh, 6th of February, um, 2002, League Cup semi-final um, against Hibs. Um, wanted so much for United to reach um, a national final, and, and that was it. And um, when Eddie Anand um, sh- struck the penalty home, I was complete um, bagging nerves because with the two or three minutes of... Um, the, of the first half of extra time, and then the 15 minutes for the second half of extra time to, to, to negotiate. Um actually left my seat, walked up the back and ended up um, pacing the floor in the concourse like an expectant father outside a maternity ward, uh, just um, absolute total bag of nerves, so wanted um, that game to finish, reaching reached the national final and when the final whistle blew, um, complete um, elation. Um, when the final whistle blew, I came back down the steps to where I, I'd abandoned the family um, in, in their seats. And I was walking down the steps. Um, for all that the crowd was less than 12,000 in a stadium like Hamden, the, the Hib support was sitting in very, very close proximity. And I was coming back down these steps and um, there's a line the of Hib supporters leaning over to shake hands because, it, you see, I was totally and absolutely jubilant. So I thought a lot of these Hib supporters for that, but that is definitely an outstanding memory. Uh, of which there are many, because people think the, the ground record was broken, um, the various times uh,
0: against Kamanak for example, but that's a standout for me. Talking about that game, that penalty was quite controversial. Um, do you think it was a penalty? Uh, at, at the game, uh, yes,
1: um, I, I was sure it was a penalty, but um, fun enough, uh, on the way home, um, we stopped at the BP station um, at, at Monkton, actually stay in Monkton, and uh, we stopped there and we went into the shop and um, somebody had noticed we were wearing colours and um, asking about the game and um, a chap had seen it on TV said, well, look, you're lucky to get a penalty, it wasn't a penalty, and I said, no, no, it was definitely a penalty. Um, Watching it again on film um, I could see it had a point yeah, <laughs> I, I,
0: when, when I watched it um, Years later like I, I was young when it happened I went to the final I watched that game on TV My dad wouldn't let me go to it but, um, When I watched it later on I was like, that wasn't I, I didn't think it was a penalty no. But I'm not disputing it yes
1: yeah. uh, and of course it was nerve wracking as well when Eddie Annan was stepping up um, to, take, to, to take that penalty too but uh, <clears throat> I think that um, in the modern day game um, the, the argument would be that um, yes um, it was a penalty I'm not sure whether the referee got that right but that said you know, don't much care
0: I have questions here from different people about your thoughts on referees Ghost of Jimmy Smith on Somerset Road End. Do you know who that is? No.
1: I'm familiar with the username. Right, but yes.
0: Said Duncan gets quite upset with officials. At matches as we all do. Getting on the topic with the ref, the rest of the media. Even. What's the worst decision you've ever seen in an air game?
1: Um, the I tell you the worst decision I've ever seen um, at, at an air game was at Ibrox um, January 1970, and um the game was nil nil, um it must have been maybe about midway through the second half. Um, Rangers um, attacking towards the, the Copland Road end now, and I was stood in front of the main stand at that time, it was the only stand at Ibrox um, Terracing but um, stand enclosure you would call it, just short distance from the uh, f- from the tunnel so and a, a good view of what had happened and um, there was um, Colin Steen threw himself um, at, at this ball attempting a flying header, wasn't reaching it, stuck his arm out full length and punched it into the net and the goal stood and um, it's only twice i have seen um, david stewart lose his temper and and the first time was that day um because um it wasn't in david stewart's temperament uh, to um, to, to, um o- to overreact but it was hardly an overreaction in, in the circumstances and he turned instead of booting the ball um, up towards the centre circle, <coughs> um, he um, kicked it um, towards the touchline. And oddly enough, that <laughs> the, the second worst decision I reckon I've ever seen was at the same end, off Ibrook's Rangers near League Cup tie in August 1972, when there was a long ball. It was bouncing towards um, Davis Stewart. He jumped up and he actually caught it uh, quite high. Derek Parlin uh, followed through floored them. two of them finished up on the ground, they managed to kick it from David Stewart's grasp and poke the ball over the line um, which wasn't just a foul, it was a whole catalogue of fouls and the goal stood and David Stewart um, reacted in the same way, but booting the ball towards the touchline, towards the corner flag rather than um, upfield and on that particular day um, Johnny Graham went on about it that much um, he got booked, then he got a second book and, and finished up get, getting sent off it was totally horrendous um, decisions but uh, that particular time, 1972 that was the League Cup sectional tie. Um within a matter of weeks the season, the league season opened and the air beat Rangers at Somerset Park So, but uh, you know, sometimes you look at a refereeing decision and um, you'll Maybe disagree with it, but you can understand why it's been made. But sometimes you can't think, no, that's just plain wrong.
0: Do you think decisions go against you at Ibrox? Because there was a, there was that one just when we played at Ibrox, just there, if should have had a penalty, if we didn't get the penalty.
1: Yes, um, I, I'm convinced of that. And um, and then you know the, the obvious thing to ask would be, um, are you accusing referees um, of being um, dishonest? Uh, no, but um, I'd say that they are swayed, uh, they are swayed by the crowd. It, it happens to a certain degree at Somerset Park, you know, particularly on the Somerset Road end, where something will happen and the, the crowd will react in a certain way to try and um, sway the, uh, the the referee. But subconsciously or, or, or otherwise, yes, um, if you're playing either half of the old firm, any Glasgow venue, then yes, it's going to be difficult. The, the League Cup final against Rangers in 2002 proved that again.
0: Gary Savage asked, "Do you like any referees?"
1: Um, n- n- no. I, I i don't have any particular like um of any um referee, but that shouldn't imply that I dislike them all um There, there are two referees um from i <coughs> feel that a standard referee in the near 19 games this season has been pretty good <coughs> but um <coughs> excuse me but um there are two referees from this season um who i, I do would name and would uh, and would dislike. Um, I won't name them, but um, anybody who's going to games this season um, will be sitting, listening to this naming them right now.
0: Where does the nickname, well, it's kind of obvious where the nickname comes from, but the nickname Mr United, I've heard a few people call you it.
1: No, um, I, I don't know. Um, that um, is, I, I suppose it sounds um, a, 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 bit, a bit cliched, but um, there's an awful lot of people could lay claim to the title Mr United or um, Mrs Air United for, for, for that matter as well. Um, but um, it's—I th- I think it's uh, up to a point. It's, um, if any queries are, are, are to be answered, you know, any queries with Air United which are channeled uh, into the club, people want information about their grandfather who played for the club in a past age, for example, um, these queries will all be um, channeled um, through um, myself. Um, <clears throat> but um, certainly, you know that um, I wouldn't lay like claim to the title
0: Mister um, Air United. <clears throat> that said, I would like to. But another person I think could lay claim to it is Bill <laughs> McWilliam. He told me to mention him to you. Do you know him? Bill
1: McWilliam, yes. I know, I know Bill, yes.
0: yes. He said you should put him in one of his books. One of your books, even.
1: Um, yeah, um, see, w- what had actually happened was, um, I know where Bill's coming from with this, because um, there was um, a, a, an Air United book where um, I, I needed um, a picture of, of Peter Price. Now, there, there are many pictures of Peter Price in circulation, but um, many of them are, uh, uh, virtually all of them for that matter, are bound by copyright, Um, because um, there was a newspaper photographer, Ken Andrew, who took pictures at Somerset Park 1956 through to about 1962, Um, and he took many wonderful pictures um, of of Peter Price, but um, these images are bound by copyright, so the difficulty I had was finding um, a a picture of, of Peter which wasn't bound by copyright and I used it in a book and it was um, it was a, a player of, of the year do, where Peter Price had been invited along as a guest and um, Bill McWilliam was in the company and his picture to his great delight found his photographs in the book and that was why and he, every time I see him now he always says yeah, yeah, you need a picture in another book etc, cetera, etc cetera. but that's the background
0: to it I've only seen maybe two or three pictures of Peter Price, I think. I can Ye- think yes. of one in my head, and someone got it tattooed on them, I saw. Yes. I don't know who that was. Um, uh, that was... Um, it was a guy from Newcastle. Ke- Kevin Coates, yeah, comes from
1: um, Cramlington um, yeah. in, in the, the, the in the Newcastle area, yes. Um, I, I know that um, when I wrote um, Walking Down Somerset Road, um, we, uh, the publisher's got um, permission to use a, a Peter Price picture, which is the one that you most often see now, where he's just um, wearing um, a sort of white open neck shirt and it's a, a head and shoulders um, crossed arms one. Yes, yeah, yeah that, that's it. Um, but um, but certainly with the uh, Peter Price images, that's the thing that, uh, that there are many, but um, you,
0: just, you know you've got to be very very careful about breaching uh, copyright. So next question is from Alex Thompson. Said, could Duncan confirm that the record crowd of twenty five thousand two hundred and twenty five is correct? Because Celtic FC's wiki, Wikipedia page says that there was a crowd of thirty one thousand in the thirties at Somerset.
1: All right. Yeah. Certainly, um, Celtic wiki is is wrong. Um, Yeah. you know, 13 September 1969, 25,225, ground record for Somerset Park. I think I know the game that Celtic Wiki are uh, talking about there, though, because um, in 1934, uh, it must be February 34, it would have been um, Celtic played a, a Scottish Cup tie at Somerset Park, and the crowd actually exceeded 24,000. Pay at the gate as well, because the first all-ticket game, Somerset Park, wasn't until um, August 1947. And um, I'm sure the crowd was given something like 24,617, I think the the, the figure was. Um, But... um, when uh, Celtic Wicker talking about 31,000, you can see it is an estimated uh, attendance, but um, Somerset Park at, at that time, you would not have got 31,000 in there. But when you see crowds like 24,617 in relation to that particular Scottish Cup tie, it's very, very precise, and, and I'm sure it would be the Scottish Cup tie rather than any league game. So um, it's definitely beyond doubt, 13 September 1969, 25,225 is... Um, the ground record for Somerset Park, and will remain so.
0: I looked into this question to see if I could find the same thing, and I couldn't find it, but I found a lot of repeat numbers just saying 8,000 and 11,000. Do you think they're just making up numbers? Um, yes, that's it, because um,
1: what, what, what happens is that um, you, you find... Uh, I actually like to deal with uh, precise attendances and precise figures, um, because I'm a bit of an anorak when it comes to... Um, Statistics, but um, very often, yeah, that—that's what you'll see um, estimated. Um Estimated a- a- attendances. Um, I think that it's a bit different now because nowadays um, you're more likely to get uh, precise attendances, which is good. But historically, you know, when you look back through when United um, were struggling through the early to uh, mid '60s, um, attendance always going 500, 500, 500, 500, and it just became um, force force of habit. But uh, yeah, I don't like
0: dealing with estimated attendances. Is there is there many clubs in Scotland who Count. I heard them talking about this on the radio. If you count their season ticket holders, even if they're not present,
1: they do. Yes, the, the, um, I, I'm really convinced that they do do that. Now, the, the game in season 2013-14, um, uh, when we um, were playing Rangers in the league, um, now, I, I remember the the, the December game at Ibrox um, December 2013 the crowd given something like 44,500 looking around, that would have been about right it looked as if they um, were an international but when they played them again, which must have been um, March or April it would have been um, at Ibrox, a high crowd figure had given something in the region of about forty-one, forty-two thousand. 42,000, it was nowhere near it Yeah. absolutely
0: nowhere near it I also saw on Rangers' wiki they said at the record attendance game on the thirteenth of thirteenth of September, they said there was twenty five more people there. I don't know why that is.
1: Yeah, for some yeah, reason. Because
0: yeah. the the reference on the Air United wiki is your book. It's walking down the Somerset Road. Yeah, twenty five thousand two
1: hundred twenty five was definitely the attendance given. Now that said, um, there were more. Because um, that was at a time when um, children um, weren't always paid for. In fact, very few children were paid for. And it was um, either, you know, um, kind of lift a laddie over the turnstiles, which was accepted practice, um, when they, they parent, maybe a wee bit older um, uh, it was, you know, kind of let the laddie through so, you know, you go through with your father on the same turnstile like, even that figure of twenty five thousand two hundred and twenty five, although I was at that game um, I wasn't even included in that figure because um, I was selling half-time draw tickets that day and watched the game in a, in, in a white coat and um, so, um, and their, their you know, their true attendance we will um Never know, but certainly 25,225 would be the number of paying spectators.
0: How different was Somerset back then?
1: Um, Somerset um, actually was a, a lot different because people tell you, you know, you think back to 1969, people tell you, oh, Somerset Park's not changed from the 50s. Somerset Park's actually changed quite a lot, um, since, uh, even since 1969 when that game was played. Um, in 1969, for example, United um, did not have floodlights. But they had these um, training lights, which were just like um, lamp posts, almost, that's what they looked like, um, dot, dotted around uh, the, the pitch, and it was three down one touchline, but three down uh, other touchline point at, at time when um, they would train um, on the pitch. Um, the Somerset Road then was uh, was un- uncovered, that wasn't covered until 1971. Um, the old 1924 stand, of course, yeah, that was and uh, ins- that was, still be recognisable then as um, you know t- today as it was then, but um, the family stand extension wasn't built until um, uh, until 1989. Um, so that, uh, that there have, have been those, um, those v- various changes there. Uh, nonetheless, that um, it's probably that in, in terms of um, evolution of a football ground, it's probably one of the grounds that's probably the least changed since then.
0: When was the hospitality built?
1: Um, that was built in 1995.
0: Is that how recent that was?
1: Um, yes, yes, yeah. Um, 1995, and um, bar construction, and Bill Barrow was, was very proud of it, and rightly so, it was a good facility
0: how far back did the north terrace stretch before that was it very similar to what it is now uh,
1: it, it, it would be the same yes that's it yeah because you you can see where the um, where the um, last step um, extends to yeah and because if you go back to the last step on, on the north terrace
0: um from there it it, it flattens out and that's where the, the
1: hospitality so when, was built.
0: when you're talking that record attendance game would there have been people standing on the flat as well
1: Um, Well, in fact, there there are people um, right round the track um, because when you look at photographs of that game, there's the illusion that there was no boundary wall uh, because the number of people who sat round uh, the track, there's photographs as well where um, there's one iconic image, um, David Stewart um, standing with his hands on his knees looking upfield and there's um, a a chap with a a ranger scarf actually lying on the grass um, parallel with the side net. Um, it was uh, quite extraordinary that the game even um, started because um, players taking corner kicks, players taking throw-ins um, the fans were encroaching almost to the touchline
0: it, Stephen Martin said that their improvement to Somerset if they had a choice would be covering the North Terrace uh, what would yours be?
1: The same, absolutely, yeah. yeah, covering the North Terrace w- would be fantastic, uh, absolutely, no doubt at all, covering the North Terrace, now how practical it would be, how, how practical it would be with the hospitality boxes there, um, I, I don't know, but then I don't need to know because, um, you know, I, I don't work in the field of construction, but if that could be done, I think it would be a dream to cover that North Terrace, definitely. I think the, the
0: atmosphere would be unmatchable, if that was... The
1: noise would just bounce off the roof, yeah. Um, you know, As it does already uh, at the Somerset Road end. But if you could um, replicate that, because the fans in the North Terrace are they're keen, they're rabid. You know, people talk at Somerset Road end, but um, the fans in the North Terrace are every bit as rabid. And if that noise was reverberated off the roof, it would be what a, an atmosphere. It would be, be fantastic. And they talk about Fortress Somerset and about visiting teams dreading going to Somerset Park. We'll cover that North Terrace. I think they would dread it all the more. It would be intimidating.
0: What do you think has got the better sound, the Railway End or Somerset Road End?
1: Uh, oh, the Somerset Road End, yes. Yeah, um, the, the Somerset Road End. I think it's because that the, the Railway End has been opened um, so few times since um, it's in segregation. Because that, um, that ground been segregated since um, March 1981. The first game would have been at Hibbs at, at home after it was segregated. And the railway has been opened um, several um, t- times um, since, but um, it, it seems unnatural. I think standing in the railway and watching United now seems un- unnatural. Um, of course, b- back in the day, that, um, many fans would stand behind the goal the team was shooting towards, which meant changing ends at half time. Used to do it myself. And the uh, difficulty there would be that opposing fans coming the opposite direction um, at, at half time. Now that happened League Cup semi-final first leg, November nine, nineteen eighty against nd and there was trouble when the fans clashed, and that was what um, that, that was what led to, to the idea of um, segregation, which uh, was um, implemented several months later in March eighty one. But definitely, yeah, the, the Somerset Road end to me is the traditional end rather than the rail end.
0: Jimmy Mason says, can you confirm it was Ross Mafia who got dragged over the wall in the Derby game? It certainly was. Um, it certainly was. Yeah, I can remember that. Um, that would
1: have been um, September 1970. Um, the reason I remember that was because I my first full-time job then um, after leaving school and um, it was air command at Somerset Park. Now on that particular day um, I was stood beh- behind the, the Somerset Road end and the game, uh, it was scoreless. And it was quite late on in the match. And I remember um, Kilmarnock um, got, got a throw-in at the railway end um, on, the, on the same side as the North Terrace. And Ross Matthews was taking it and be, um, almost in line with the 18-yard line. Now, I saw this um, from a distance, but I do remember, I'm thinking, oh, it's a dangerous situation, throw-in um, so late in the game. And, um, and so I was watching it quite closely and he took two or three steps back and then he disappeared backwards over the wall. Now, I saw that from a considerable distance, but from my vantage point, I thought what had happened was he took steps back, lost his balance, and fell over the wall. Only um, afterwards, uh, by the following day's papers, realized that realised that he'd actually been pulled over the wall. Did he get hurt? Um... No, um, the, uh, what happened was it, it took um, a minute or two to get them extricated um, from from the crowd. Now you probably wonder, you know, that particular But opposite the, in line with the 18-yard line at the rail when, you know, that if, if that was now, air fans wouldn't be populating that particular bit of the terracing. But back then, you could stand where you want, no, no, uh, no segregation. But, um, no, no, um, if, if my memory serves me correctly, um, he... He got back, back over the wall and took the throw um, so no no he, he didn't get hurt that's good shaken yeah probably <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing
0: scary yeah who's your favourite air player and why um, I'd say favourite um,
1: United player um, of all time would be um, Peter Price beyond any shadow of a doubt 213 competitive goals is fantastic now with Peter Price I mean, 213 goals that's um, and um, 73 sorry there was 213 goals in 251 games um, it's quite fantastic total I think 173 of those would be in the league 40 between league and league cup uh, which, which was quite extraordinary because um, it's the only United player to have broken uh, the 200 barrier for, uh, for for competitive goals. Now um, I can lay claim to having been at matches where Peter Price played, um, albeit because, as we touched on earlier, um, I was so small, didn't really fully appreciate it. Um, but uh, in later life, you know, it was a pleasure uh, to meet Peter Price. Um, met up with him a few times and, and spoke to him. The guy was an um, absolute gentleman, very very modest as well about his achievements. But to me, um, not only is the best United player of all time, he's my favourite. No shadow for doubt, Peter Price.
0: When did Jimmy Smith play for A
1: United? Jimmy Smith signed for A United in the the summer of 1927. Um, Now, Jimmy Smith, um, he'd been at um, Clyde Bank, um, 26, 27 season, he'd been playing for um, Rangers Reserves. And A United, in a a trial match in the summer of 1927, He, he played in it and scored five. Um, now uh, he was signed in that 27-28 season, scoring quite phenomenal 66 league goals, which puts here United into the into the Guinness Book of Records. Um, I remember during the, the summer of 1984, um, his son um, came over, um, John Smith um, uh, came over um, from from New York, and it was a pleasure, you know, to show, um, you know, round Somerset Park and the scene of his father's uh, and the scene of his father's triumphs. Um, but uh, then so it was there 27 uh, 28 um, 28 uh, 29 and then um, early in the twenty nine thirty 29-30 season uh, sold, to, sold to Liverpool but um, quite extraordinary goal scoring phenomenon
0: How do you think Shanklin compares to these legends of area um, United?
1: The difficulty that with uh, football um, is um, different now um it's uh, people might argue with this but um I, I think scoring now um, is is more difficult um because I believe that um, opposition teams can um, <clears throat> lay out their um, lay out their stall to make it difficult to 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 play against. Um, and I think that um olden day football there maybe quite wasn 't that um, tactical awareness, but that said um having spoken to Peter Price, he told me that in his day that uh, what he was up against was the physicality of it because um opposition players attempting to kick lumps out them and um and but that was um what he was faced with, that um and of course that back then you know he didn't have the same uh, protection from the, fr- from the referees uh, um either um but um i, I think that um, um shankland you know that um 55 goals from 55 starts uh, as we speak now um Peter Price by the end of his United career, had uh, less than a, a goal-per-game ratio, but he played three seasons in the top flight and exceeded the, the double-century um, barrier. But um, certainly, um, I put you know if you're talking about the, uh, some of the greatest United strikers of all time, then yes, I would put Shanklin right there on a the pedestal alongside Jimmy Smith, Peter Price, Terry McGibbons, Malky Morrison... He, Beyond doubt, deserves this place.
0: I think it's mad. He's only played for here for a season and a half.
1: Yes, and you know to come to her um, September um, two thousand seventeen at a time we had no preseason training, no club had picked them up in the summer and um, yeah, I think in the summer he just worked on his own fitness, um, which um, said a lot, and um, people said, oh, they're taking a chance signing him. Well, just a short-term contract, September to uh, to, to, to January. They said that before with um, Alec Williams, uh, take a chance, Alec Williams, very good striker, not as prolific as, 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 as Shanklin, but I um, <clears throat> put it all down to um, Ian McCall, having this great ability to recognise a good player.
0: The recent news is that Lachlan, Lachlan, said that he would be willing to let Shanklin go for nothing.
1: Which, which to me, um, I, you know, I wish Lachlan was sitting here right now so I could buy yeah. him a drink after saying that because that shows the complete height of ambition because Lackland, that tells you that Lachlan's ambition is getting get into the Premier League yeah. and, you know, the financial cost about the whole Shanklin situation is just a secondary consideration uh, which is absolutely brilliant and people... Accuse United of lack of ambition, which is totally unfair.
0: I think it's been somewhat true in the past. I think when what season was it? 2009-10 season when we sold like Ryan Stevenson. Yes, I think that was at the time the wrong decision to make, and we get relegated that season. And we've been up and down. How many times? I mean, things are different now. Things are fantastic now. But for a while, air couldn't stay in the championship. Yes. it's um, to, to sell Ryan
1: Stevenson for for, for ten thousand pounds. Then, then uh, yes, you know when it was um, clearly worth um, so much, uh, so much more. Um, so that um, I, I think that you know, looking at it in relatively recent seasons, you know that um, for the club to go full time when they did, and then to have the the success they did. Um, okay, it was tight winning the league um, last season. And then it rolls on to this season with the momentum. And again there were accusations about um a, a lack of ambition this summer, saying we would signing more players. But um Ian McCall knew the strengths of the players he had, the players he um, he's bought in. Um you know, Liam Smith. Liam uh, so great. good, Daniel Harvey so, um, so good. Oh great. And and Andy Murdoch. And I think it's extraordinary also too great. that um, this season where You've got uh, Morton fans, you know, they're saying, "Oh, look at how A United are doing, despite despite <laughs> having uh, duhan and Andy Murdoch and and, and Lawrence Shanklin, you know, players who were all, all at their club." And Patrick Thistle saying, "Oh, how can a team been doing so well with um, Decl- Declan Declan Dade in that team?" And Ferland fans saying, "Yes, you know how uh, are they doing so well with um, Geggan and Moffat in the team?" But um, you know, everyone—they're all good players. Declan Dade is fantastic to watch; just absolute box office. Love watching them such intricate, intricate footwork. Now, it, it, um, it, if players are considered by uh, other clubs, um, if, if, if fans of other clubs are bewildered by United's success based on the performances of these players when they were at their um, own clubs. Um, it tells you that um, uh, Ian McCall recognises a good player and knows how t- to get them to play to their to, to their maximum.
0: One thing that kind of annoyed me as an air fan when. Falkirk were sniffing about to try get McCall. They were saying, "Oh, he would go to Falkirk. Falkirk's a bigger club." What makes Falkirk, in some people's mind, a bigger club than there? Um, perception. Nothing.
1: Nothing more than perception. And I think it's the um, you look at the ground. Nice setup. Okay, it's not developed on all, on all four sides. Admittedly. But um, again, I find unusual about Fokker because the crowds this season, when they're bottom of the league, uh, um, horrendous form, um, fans going nuts, and uh, the crowds topping 4,000. Yeah, which uh, I couldn't couldn't quite get. How long they can sustain that, I don't know. Um, Do you think that's a season ticket thing again? it, it it could it could be there yeah, because um, I think that um, probably at the start of the season you'd expected clubs like um, Falkirk and Partick Thistle to be pushing for promotion. We're in a situation now where okay Partick Thistle lifted themselves off the bottom now, but um, as recently as 11 days ago, uh, ten yeah ten days ago Partick Thistle were at bottom bottom of League One, and they were in the Premier League last season here top of the same league. Um, playing two leagues below them last season, um, which, uh, but um, again, you know, um, this uh, big club thing, I don't really buy into it because when players come out the tunnel and and cross the white line, any past glories, uh, they count for nothing at all.
0: Ian McCall said the gap financially between Beef Juniors and the Air United would be the same or a similar kind of gap between Air United and Dundee United. Yes, yes uh, um,
1: I feel my saying that I would believe him Because yes. the reason being that um, he's got an insight into Dundee um, United's finances Having managed their, okay, albeit finances, might have changed a bit since And he made a similar comment about Patrick Thistle as well And um, having uh, managed Partick Thistle too um, I feel my come out comments like that he has to be believed
0: They must be shoveling out some money then
1: D- D- Than United. United, yes. Parted, yes.
0: Must yes. Be spending I, I, some money again.
1: This see with clubs like D- United, it's, much it's based on past glories. But um, there's this uh, assumption that people buying into this big club um, idea, you know, as if it's going to help them through matches. Now, I mean, that uh, recent game. The uh, Air United at Tanedice. Um and they build up to the match, if the United won four 0 they would have gone top of the league and um, some of their fans go on Facebook, some of their fans go on websites saying, Come on, we can do this, we can beat Air 4-0. And now if you supported a club who are sitting where they are now, but in the past, you know, for the European final, um Scottish Cup wins, fantastic runs in, in Europe. I mean I, I can in my lifetime I can remember the United twice, knocking Barcelona out of the European competition. Um, so you know, with, with all that so vivid in, in the memory, I, you know I can understand this big club scenario. But um, you know, uh, they cannot live off past reputations.
0: No, I think just that five nil no result I still find crazy. It's it's mad to think, even Air United a few years ago or something would be beaten Dundee United. Well, you know what, uh, to, to me, one of the great things about it was that um, it's,
1: it was the whole manner of, of the victory. Um, De, uh, Declan McDade, I'll mention again, I'm a big fan of De, Declan McDade. And you notice that um, he's, he's got a swagger. Mm-hmm. And it's not a superfluous swagger, it's just a total, a, a total um, confidence. He's a kill eh? I've seen players in the past who are heavily into step-over, 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 step and it's totally superfluous because they're not achieving anything. But um, decadentated skill its not a, a, a superfluous skill. It's bringing something to the table. And um, the the whole uh, manner of, of, of victory, and, and looking at it with a realisation it could have been more, um, it was the whole manner of victory it was outstanding. Um, it... it took me a long time. Again, you know I'm saying about clubs like the D United cannot live off their past reputation, but in my mind I'm still thinking, yeah, that was a big club. We've beaten their 5-0 on their own patch. Fantastic. And then the D and the D United fans arguing on websites, the D fans saying, well, A United only beat us 3-0 at den's. I think, you know, well, that's the state we've reached. So I think um, A United with the the kind of, the smaller club um, status is maybe unfair. But uh, when you listen to an awful lot that's been said now, especially from um, Robbie Nielsen, who had been treated with um, complete respect.
0: Yeah, I think it's probably because of where we've been sitting in the league since the early 2000s. But I feel like air, we're always compared to, if we're talking club size, a club like the size of our bro. Yes. When I, I think we are bigger than that, I think we can be a club the size of Falkirk. Or it, or it, it's been
1: um, annoying, and say over um, the last maybe um, 10, 12 years in, in particular, where um, you're going to places like a broth and um, to break into Forfar, and you're looking round about and you see it's kind of um, small club set up, and I kind of feeling of superiority does sort of creep <laughs> in um, wrongly because then when the game starts, because these various clubs I've mentioned and I've seen us get some heavy defeats from them. Yeah. Um, so that, uh, you know, that and I suppose it's um, arrogance uh, up to a point, but it's when you turn up a place like that, you pitch up a place like that and you look around and think, oh, how can we possibly lo- lose here? But, um, you know, but the big club, small club. Um, and sometimes the, the, the big club scenario is just because, you know, clubs might have had, they've maybe played in Europe in the 60s, um, they've maybe cobbled their way through to um, a, a Scottish Cup final or a League Cup final in the last 12, 15 years, for example. But even Inverness winning the Scottish Cup in 2015, not that long ago. Um, but um, wh- wh- where's it getting them now? Because I'm confident if that game had gone ahead last Friday night, we'd have beaten them.
0: I think the whole area United having not won a major thing is a, a sore subject. Uh, yes, think.
1: yes, that's right. Not winning um, a, a major um, trophy and uh, just... I mean, that's even not having reached a final before 2002, so that was, for me, the big thing was um, reaching a final. I mean, my biggest dream for Air United, and believe me, it is a dream, is winning the Scottish Cup, and not as much winning the Scottish Cup in the aftermath. Seeing the Scottish Cup being brought along um, on an open-top bus um, along Pestwick Road. Now, um, I actually got a, a kind of glimpse of what that dream would look like. In um, the local papers, uh, there too, before the League Cup final against Rangers in 2002, um, it said an event of affair. Winning, it actually, the route was in the paper. They actually told you that the route, so you you, you, you could you, you could picture it. Um, now, I'd always pictured the, um, the the Scottish Cup coming along from up top bus, along from kind of press with Toll and towards Tamsbrig, but the route was actually the other way. Uh, and heading towards um uh, heading towards um Presswick toll. But um and reading that I just so so much wanted it to to, to happen. Um I mean I wouldn't ever presume that in, in, in the event of that happening that i would be invited onto the bus, but if I was invited I'd decline the invitation i had been the probably in the bus stop roof at Damsbrig. <laughs> but that's the one thing for me just a um, major trophy, open top bus. There was actually some talk about um doing um something like that for winning Uh, League One last season, I would not have approved of that because if you're talking about, if you're an open top bus territory, it's got to be, um, you know, uh, win the Premier League, Scottish Cup, League Cup only.
0: When you look at clubs like, we're saying Inverness won Scottish Cup recently, St Johnston won Scottish Cup recently. Ross County won the League Cup not that long ago. Yes. Dundee United, who are in our league also won the Scottish Cup not that long ago. Yes. So teams round about us at St Mirren that were in our league not that long ago, they won the League Cup not that long ago. They did, yeah. They, they have they all won team. major trophies yes. in recent years. Yes. And we, we've we been close to a final, but I don't like to talk about that. But It, <laughs> it
1: means that um, you cannot rule out the possibility of United doing that. It, it's not beyond the uh, realms of possibility. The reason being just... You know, to cite your own argument there um, About um, Clubs uh, Who are similar um, Aspirations to um, a club at Air United Have won a national trophy In relatively recent seasons Even Livingston won in the League Cup As well um, Albeit that it wasn't that long before I went into administration after that But uh, but the point being that, uh, that, 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 that Clubs of United stature Can do it
0: but Even if we think further back in our history, like I'm trying to think of clubs that would have Scottish Cups or something, you wouldn't really think, like uh, East Fife has won a Scottish Cup, haven't they? Yes, they yeah. one
1: Scottish
0: Cup, yes. Uh, Rafe Rovers have never won the Scottish Cup, but they won the League Cup in yes. 1994, wasn't it? Correct, yes. Yep. Yeah, I, I just think it's bizarre that we ha- we haven't. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's right,
1: at, 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 some, point, um, at some point of, of, of history. a um, and actually came very close. Um, October 1950 in League Cup semi-final, playing Motherwell at, at Ibrox, and it was a, a, a complete uh, mud bath of a match. a and A&E won 3-2, seven minutes to go. and the last seven minutes, Motherwell equalised and won the game 4-3. And then um, beat beat Hibbs uh, in the final. Now season fifty fifty one. remember correctly, I think Hibbs went on to win the Scottish League. So Hibbs would have been a formidable prospect in uh, in that final. But given that Motherwell went and beat Hibbs in that final, I think heir maybe just uh, would have done it. Um, one of the uh, big injustices, and um, I've spoken to people who uh, remember it because remember even uh, in the nineteen seventies, you know people were old fans were going on about uh, the injustice of 1924 that they the could recall from these 50 years earlier and it was the um scottish cup quarterfinal um united and airdrie at, at broomfield and uh, united scored um in the last minute virtually the um last kick now um the, the goal got got disallowed and very very contentious circumstances there are very many theories um about um why it was disallowed and it was it seemed to be um, a, a complete uh, injustice. Now, two games were played, a game at Airdrie, um, a game at Ayr, and then they played at um, Ibrox in consecutive, in consecutive days, and um, Airdrie won by the odd goal, They went on to win the Scottish Cup 1924, but um, the theory was that um, Ayr United, uh, if justice had been done um, over that um, disallowed goal, which wrongly disallowed goal, Um, then um, United may have gone on to win the Scottish Cup in 1924 but I would like to to have been there just at some point in history even out with living memory to have done it
0: Yeah I feel that way as well because like Hibs fans always went on about not having won the Scottish Cup and however long they didn't win it and then they won it
1: but she and I, I was like, at least you won it. <laughs> I, I, I think that, uh, the major difference with Hibbs was that, um, that every year comes Scottish Cup time. Um, it, it was touted. I mean, as regularly as nightfall as day, you would know that they were just going to tout the same line. Hibbs haven't won the Scottish Cup since 1902, but Hibbs have won four league titles. Hibbs have won league cups as well. Now, when Hibbs beat Rangers, now. 2016 Scottish Cup final. We say, no, it's the biggest day in their history." Well, you know, if you just looked at it, just a, a lot more deeply, um, Hibs actually won four um, league titles at a time when our family stayed in the east, and my father was actually going to watch Hibs at that time. <laughs> um, so you know that um, at least, okay, they hadn't won the Scottish Cup until 2016, but uh, it was hardly a barren history.
0: Yeah, uh, there's a similar kind of you see between Dundee United and Dundee fans that Dundee haven't won. The Scottish Cup in ages as well but did
1: Dee last one, the Scottish Cup 1910 <laughs> 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 it's a good year. yeah 1910 <laughs> yeah and then I suppose thinking about it in the centenary um of them won it um yeah centenary did he win in the Scottish Cup 1910 The Dee write it would have won it um yeah 2010 Craig Conway We ha- and, yeah. we haven't even won the Challenge Cup um, We've been in the final t- twice Twice, like years yeah in Two seasons d- in a our- row these, these two years in a row that, um, the, the, the first year um, 1990 um, November 1990 In fact, remember it was armistice day So November 11th, 1990 A-19 Dundee At the first part in the first final And they called it the Centenary Cup Because to commemorate the Centenary of the Scottish League It was only supposed to be played On a one-off basis And um, unfortunately It gave to into um, extra time And lost 3-2 to Dundee Billy Dodds hat-trick But the following year back in the final against Hamilton Ackies, back at Firth Park, back standing on the same terrace, because it was terracing then, uh, 1991, and uh, lost the game 1-0. But the difference was night and day because the performance, it was a poor performance at United that, um, honestly, if I'd been playing in goal for Hamilton Ackies, it would have been the same result. (laughs) Uh, It was just a poor, 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 poor performance. And just like the team just didn't turn up in the day. But the year before, it was complete contrast quite unlucky to to, to to lose but then you think, you know, the first two finals and then it became a bigger competition and people thought it would be albeit that it faded a bit in relatively, in, in, in future years, um, but even to win that, yes, I agree with you Airdrie's even won
0: good. that a few times the, the new Airdrie's won it as well haven't they? Yes, yeah. yes yeah. and it, Inverness won it last year, was it Inverness? Uh, they did, yeah, yeah,
1: because they beat them Barton in the final at Perth, yeah, yeah. But even that, you know, okay, you can argue um, it's not a major trophy, but it would do to be anonymous. See, the
0: championship trophy is that the old uh, Premiership trophy, uh, actual n- trophy. N- no,
1: it's um, the the championship. Oh, sorry, beg your pardon. You, you may be correct because what I'm thinking is that the League One trophy we got last
0: season was the old Second Division trophy. So that which is what is currently the Championship. The, uh,
1: no, um, the the one. The League One trophy Ayr got um, at the end of 2017-18, okay, so that's yep. th- effectively the third tier of the game, it was the same trophy the club got for winning um, the second division under the old set-up in 65-66 and 59-60. It was that trophy.
0: What trophy did we get in a the 90s, and the
1: 8788, the uh, eight, eight, seven, eight, eight, same. Yeah. Same one. Yes, that's it. Um when when United won the um won the third tier in eighty-seven, eighty-eight, um ninety-six, ninety-seven and twenty seventeen eighteen, the trophy was the same one that was formerly used for the second tier. Yeah. So the trophy they got these seasons was an identical trophy to they got for winning the old the old second division, 65, 66, sixty five, sixty six and fifty nine, sixty. Same trophy
0: saw a picture and a. Is it Henry Templeton? Has got the bit on his head, but it looked different. It kind of looks yep. like what the third division trophy yep. now looks like. No, it, it,
1: it should be the same. Yeah. um, It should, should be the same one,
0: yes. For. Yeah, so that, that would have been the eighty-seven eighty-eight one if it was Henry yes, Templeton. Yes, th- that's floor, right. So thinking. the
1: 87 88 one, again, which was won in the third tier, yeah. the trophy then um, was the
0: one that was formally used for winning the second tier, just first and second division, same one. Going back to winning cups, Rangers being liquidated, and there was a whole thing of take the titles off of them. I saw you, was it you posted on the stats and t- statistics? Two thousand and two yep. League Cup pending.
1: Uh, yes, well that's right, and we've got to admit that was um, a, b- a bit of mischief because I um, got a bit tired, you know, that um, supporters uh, um, in our club in Ayrshire airshare saying the United won nothing. Well, nothing's not quite how they put it, but the diplomatic way of putting it. But um, yeah. and um, so it, it, it posted up. It was the um, title picture. Air um, United um, League Cup winners. Um, 2002 um, brackets pending. Now, um, the question about whether Rangers should be stripped of their trophies is academic. Now, it's not going to happen. People say, well, if that had happened, it wouldn't be the same because you've got to win it on the day. But um, Fair United had uh, been uh, named as the 2002 League Cup winners. All these years later, I'd been in cap wheels. I'd been absolutely beside myself with excitement. Yeah, that that that's why I wanted it to happen. Not, not winning it as a selfish reason. A, not when it in the way that they should have. Yeah. Um, you, you know. But um, but nonetheless, I could could have lived with it. United um, League Cup winners. Now there were other arguments came to fore as well that um, you know Queen of the South had been Scottish Cup winners in two thousand and eight, and there were many arguments with many clubs, and um, some clubs had about two or three claims to, to trophies based on that argument as well. And people say, no, it's no way to win it. Well, maybe not the. Wait a minute of choice, but uh, no,
0: honestly, I would I'd I'd be delighted to have taken it. Yeah, I'd take it. I'd like to give a big thank you to everyone for listening to this podcast. Thank you to Duncan for being our guest. Thank you to com forward slash forum for helping get the podcast out there. Big thank you to Simon and Sandra at the Ship Inn for letting me record in there. Part two of this podcast will be up on Friday. Until then, honest men and bonnie lasses, thank you and I'll see you next time.